All right, we're going to try to get started this morning, so if you want to come on in and take a seat, we will see if we can do that. I'm not going to put the uh, passage up there just yet, because my wife told me this morning when I was telling her what I was going to teach about that I should um, ask a question to start things with, so I'm going to do that here in a second. So I will pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the um, beautiful sunshine outside. Uh, I personally thank you for the cooler temperatures. Um, thank you for your goodness, for your grace and mercy that are um, so evident to us. We thank you for this opportunity to look into your word. Pray that you would just uh, open our hearts and our minds to what you have to teach us. Pray that you would use what feeble words I have um, but that your Holy Spirit would be working in each one of us, um, guiding us and, and lead us, leading us, directing us into your truth. We thank you and praise you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the question is, um, what is truth? And then the, the question is, the, other, the second question is, who asked that question? Pilate did. Heather was like, I don't think anybody's going to know that, or... Maybe she did. I don't know. But she was like, I don't think anybody's going to know that. So, yes, that is correct. So this is going to be, should be, most likely be the last of questions in the Gospels with Jeff. Um, and so this was one, this is one of those questions that, that whenever I read it, I'm just like, oh, it's so, it's almost painful to, to see this, this scenario and how this all plays out. But um, this is where we're going to be, John chapter 18. We've got a lot of verses we're going to try to cover, so we'll see how it goes. Um, Kelly's back next week, so if we don't get done, we're just going to be hanging, I guess, and, and we'll just have to deal with it. So um, verse 28, the, uh, Jesus has been arrested and he is—he's uh, gone in front of the, in front of Caiaphas, and in front of, you know, he's been grilled at night by the Jewish leadership. So, in verse 28, then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the Praetorium, and it was early, and they themselves did not enter into the Praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the might eat the Passover. So, I find that verse really interesting. Um, if you're a, if you're in the Jewish leadership, you might try to imagine what would your to-do list look like. You're, this is uh, the day, you know, Passover's tomorrow, and so you're you're. I, I, I came up came up with a to-do list and what that might look like uh, for your Friday to-do list. Um, have officers follow Judas, Judas Judas to arrest Jesus. Pick up items for Passover feast. Accuse Jesus before the priest. Pick up Sabbath day best from the dry cleaners. Get Pilate to condemn the Messiah to crucifixion. Oh yeah, important reminder, don't enter Praetorium so you can eat the Passover. I'm about to ask that they condemn the Messiah. Oh, but I want to make sure I can eat the Passover tomorrow. It just, to me, is just this... Uh, it's almost painful. But you see their priority... We, we want to make sure that we don't go into the praetorium. We're trying to do everything right, supposedly, but 
the hypocrisy is just a little, it screams at me. Um, they want to be sure to follow all the rules so they could look and call themselves righteous. But they were fully prepared to sacrifice the truly righteous one in order to protect their power. So that just that, that verse just jumps out at me. Um, so verse 29, therefore Pilate went out, went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? That should be a blank screen. Um, what do you think Pilate's attitude would likely have been toward the Jews? They were troublesome. He comes out, what accusation do you bring against this man? So what's his attitude probably like? What's that? Yeah, what are you up to now? Would somebody else say? Yeah, what now? What are you guys up to? What's going on? Um, I think it's kind of like a parent or teacher who has little patience left for dealing with this obnoxious child, you know. Um, the Jews were not easy to deal with. And you couldn't just, you know, you think about all the nations, all the peoples that Rome had conquered, you know, and the Jews were a whole different animal. Porter? To the point that the Romans gave them a Yeah, they, they gave them a lot more latitude than they did to anybody else, right? I mean, it's just, and so Pilate's just like, I, you know, I, I can't deal with them the way I'd like to, so, but here they come again. Uh, what is it now? Um, so they answered in verse uh, 30 and said to him, if this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. So much like a child, they don't really answer the question right? They don't give any specifics. They just throw out a very non-specific accusation. He's an evildoer, right? So Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, we are not permitted to put anyone to death to fulfill the word of Jesus, which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. So what did Jesus say about how he was going to die? He lifted up hung on a tree. If the Jews were going to kill him, what would they do? Stone him. We see it multiple times in the Gospels that they tried to stone him or started to stone him, whatever. But now they're like, we're going to bring him, we're going to get this done, and get it done right. Um, so therefore Pilate entered into, the, entered into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? So the question is, how did Pilate know to ask if he was the king? Well, from this passage, we wouldn't pick up on it. But um, if you look at Luke 23, which I think I put up here. Yeah, uh, Luke 23, 1 to 3. Then the whole body of them got up and brought him before Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, which is a lie, and saying that he himself is, a, is Christ, which is true. A king. So Pilate asked him, saying, are you, the, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, it is as you say. So that's how Pilate, that's where that question comes in that Pilate's asking him, are you a king? 
So verse 34, Jesus answered, um, Are you saying this on your own initiative, or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests delivered you to me. What have you done? Does it feel like Pilate's attitude has changed any yet? I don't really think so. I think he's still treating this like, like some stupid interruption from these obnoxious kids. Um, you know, the, the bullies are beating up on the kid out in the playground, but he doesn't really care that much. And, you know, just how do I make this go away? Um, does he really seem to, interested in getting to the heart of the Jews' accusations? It doesn't feel like it to me. No, he's just trying to, can I get back to my morning coffee? Um, this was early in the morning, so these guys show up. Whether he'd even roused himself out of bed, we don't know, but he's, this was not what he was intending for his morning to look like. This is not what he was hoping for, but here they are at his front door. Um, does he seem interested in finding out who Jesus is? Not really. Not, not to my perspective, anyway. So Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But it is, as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. So it feels like Jesus went back and answered Pilate's first question. Are you a king? Because uh, then Pilate asks, um, you know, uh, I lost myself. He asks, what have you done? And that's not really what Jesus answers. He goes back and answers, yes, I am a king. Um, yes, I am king of the Jews, not, not a king like you think or expect. If I were a normal king, if this was a normal situation, those who support me would be fighting. They'd be making sure that I was going to get to that place that I'm looking for, to be, the, to be the king. They'd be fighting for me. And that's what Pilate would expect of a king. That's what he, in his mind, that's what a king does. Um, therefore, Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Does Pilate, in, Pilate's interest seem to possibly be a bit more piqued now? At the thought of maybe Jesus is acknowledging that he's a king. Does that seem to maybe pique his interest a bit more? I think so. Um, someone claiming to be a king is a very different situation than just your run-of-the-mill troublemaker. Someone who's just stirring up trouble, who's a robber, who's a thief, who's, you know, those kinds of things. Now, all of a sudden, if I'm in power, somebody who wants to be a king has a different threat. Um, Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and, this, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. I am a king, but not of this realm. I'm a different kind of king. What kind of activities do we expect from a king? What's that? To rule, okay. What else? Think about a king, and he's in his realm. He's got subjects. What do we think of? What do we expect of a king? Maybe command and lead and pass judgment. Okay. And create laws. 
yeah, create, create laws, enforce laws, um, protection, right? He's supposed to protect the realm, um, which means having an army, which means, you know, sometimes grabbing citizens and saying you're going to be part of the army. Um, he's supposed to go out and fight the battles, um, conquering and expanding his territory, um, which involves, again, maybe pulling in some of the citizenry, taxing, but also providing services. That's what a king should do. Doesn't always work out that way, right? Um, how much priority do we... Um, I messed up that sentence. Let me, let me read that. Let me rethink that one. How much do you expect a king to tell the truth? Should, right? Do we, uh, do we expect our politicians to tell the truth? Yes, but no. I mean, we, why do we listen to speeches and why do we listen to campaigning if we don't expect to hold them to what they're saying? Now, we know that when they get in office, oftentimes it doesn't work out that way. And we don't get to hold their feet to the fire like maybe we'd like to. But we want, we expect to be able to demand truth from our politicians. So the same would be true of a king. Um, and when they lie, it's not a, not a good thing. And when we, when we catch them in their lies, it's not a good thing. But I think, you know, that's our political system in America. But you think about... You think about somebody like Putin, who is elected, multiple times elected. Nobody, you know, and, and, and it's so, it's so bald-faced, some of the things he does, like his political enemies suddenly just disappear or have an accident, you know, and he goes, well, that was unfortunate they had this accident, you know, it's like nobody believes him. Nobody believes that. Nobody believes the lie. But they're going to, you know, pass it off as if that's the case. Um, someone who's a dictator, they can say whatever they want. You know, uh, North Korea, that dude, he can say whatever he wants, and people are going to go, yes, I believe you, because they like to keep their head attached to their body. Um, but it, it's not true. But the more power they have, the more they can say whatever they want, and it doesn't have to be true. So Jesus says, I'm not just a king who tells the truth. I am the king who is the truth. Why did Jesus come into the world? What's he say here? To redeem us, what's he say here? To testify to the truth. For whom? Was he trying to bring the religious leaders around to his way of thinking? Did he go to the places of power? Was he thankful to finally be standing before Pilate so that he can show Pilate what the truth is because he knows he's been hungry for it? 
No, he came into this world for those whose hearts were inclined toward the truth. Those who were seeking truth, and he still does. It's not those who say they're seeking truth. He knows hearts. Porter? Right. Sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't doubt that he was. He was impressed with Christ. Um, but we see, we're about to see his reaction when Jesus says, "It is. It is." So his his Pilate says in verse thirty-eight, "What is truth? What is truth?" And what's the irony there? He's standing right in front of him. Truth is standing right in front of him. Yeah, right. What is truth? No big question there. It seems to me that maybe this isn't the first time Pilate has wrestled with this question. What is truth? Um, He's probably wrestled with it. He's probably talked to philosophers about it. You know, he's, he's, he's dealt with what is the truth. And now he misses it. Truth, more truth than he could ever want or think possible was standing in front of him. Why did he miss it? Why did he not accept the fact, or why was he not even prepared to think about the fact that Jesus might at least have the truth, probably not prepared to understand that he was himself the truth, why was he not accept why was he not prepared to accept that? He wanted nothing to do with the Jews. He was there because he was appointed from Rome. Okay. He didn't like anything to have no interest in their faith or didn't even have thought. Clearly for the last couple of years, Christ has been around, he's heard of them, but he's just been like you mentioned earlier, pushing them all off as little kids and just not interested in knowing. Yeah. Yeah, he, he probably thinks that the Jews have nothing whatso- of value to, to offer whatsoever. Porter? We might. I'm not saying we won't. And I know that there are people who are convinced that we will. They may be right. Yeah. But in... Right. Yeah, but he did end up condemning, condi- condemning him. Um, what's that? He didn't seem to pursue the question. Right. He had truth standing in front of him. And he, uh, I, I always concluded that he, he himself has already concluded that there isn't any truth. Right. You know, and if, if he did take time to talk to philosophers, you know, the point that to try to come to a conclusion, there isn't any core truth in philosophy. Right. Well, and he'd, he'd probably had those conversations that go around in circles and around in circles and around in circles, and finally he goes, this is just stupid, this is not beneficial, there are no answers here. 
And so there he comes to the conclusion there really is no truth. Um, and that's what he lives his life by. Uh, and what's that? Right. Yeah. But again, he follows it through in this, in this, this interchange, I think. We can, we can discuss that further. Um, but, but I think... So what he does immediately in the next verse, when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews. So he asks, what is truth? And his immediate response is not to stick around and hear what Jesus has to say to answer that question. It's to walk away. Because he's convinced there is no truth. There is no objective, knowable truth. And so he just walks away. So in my, in my thinking, he's, he may be looking for truth, but I think he's looking to find it within himself. I think he thinks in his pride that he can find truth on his own. Um, I think for him it had to fit with what, he'd already, what he already knows and what he's decided about how the world works. He brings his suppositions, his understanding to the, this question, and Jesus answers, but it, his answer doesn't fit with you know, how, how Pilate sees the world, so he dismisses it. Um, when we look inside ourselves, what we find is the same thing that anybody finds, and that's a lost sinner. But we don't like that answer, so we fill it in with something else. We create something else. We make something else up, and the, the world is more than happy to help us find that something else. Um, those who acknowledge the reality that they can't save themselves um, can come to Jesus broken and contrite, and they're ready for the truth and the way and the life. So, continuing on, when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber, and we know from other passages he's an insurrectionist, he's whatever, he's not a, not a great guy. Um, Pilate is giving them every opportunity to do the right thing. And they are having none of it. So verse 19, Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him slaps in the face. Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. So when the chief priests and the officers saw them, they cried out, saying, Crucify, crucify. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by that law he ought to die, because he made himself out to be the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. So all of a sudden, Pilate has a new perspective. He sees, he's starting to see this from a different, in a different light, and it scares him. And like Porter said, his wife also had a dream where she sees Jesus, and she's like, have nothing to do with this man. Don't you dare condemn him. Um, what's that? Have nothing to do with 
Yes. Yep. Have nothing. Don't. Don't. You need to turn him loose. You need to basically just get out of this thing. Um, so, uh, verse nine of chapter nineteen, and he entered in into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, "Where are you from?" But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, "Do you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you?" Jesus answered, "You would have no authority over me." unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement. But in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now, in, it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. So they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to him, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So then he, he then handed, them over, handed him over to them to be crucified. In this passage, we hear three voices. We hear the voice of the Jews, we hear the voice of Pilate, and we hear the voice of Jesus. What is the motivation for the first two, for the Jews and Pilate? Okay, that's the Jews, do away with Jesus. But why? What's the deeper motivation? He threatened them. They're jealous, okay. What, what's Pilate's motivation? Fear of a riot. Fear of a riot? I definitely agree with fear. Fear of what else? Wants to keep his power. Wants to keep his power. And what's the threat? Rome doesn't like this area, actually. Right. That's why you got to sign there, because it's actually like, being in the military, you get signed in Anchorage, and he wants to actually come back to Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and then he's, he's got this fear that, you know, you, you hear what the, the Jews say, you know, if you, um, if you release a man, you're no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. So now he's got this fear of they're going to get the words going to get back to Caesar that I'm letting this king live. Well, let's think about what Jesus said here. Who, who, who would be aware of him? Those who are seeking the truth, truly seeking the truth. Not, not seeking the truth for my sake because I want to feel better and have an you know, understanding of the world so that I can do what I want to do and manipulate the world for, for my good. 
But those who are truly seeking for truth, and, and, and Jesus is truth, so they're seeking after holiness, they're seeking after good, they're seeking after these things that Jesus represents. So you think about the, the blind man, the man born blind, his reaction to Jesus. You know, Jesus is standing in front of the, of, in front of the well, no, in that case he wasn't standing in front of him, but, but the, the Jewish leaders had seen Jesus. They'd interacted with Jesus, and they have no, um, they're not drawn to him in a good way. They're only threatened by him. Um, those who are inclined toward him see him and, and what, you know, what the, the, the word says there's nothing about him that's special that would draw us to him, right? There's, there's nothing in his appearance. But I think that some people, I think people that were hungry for truth saw truth in him. What did that look like? I don't know. But I think that, I, I believe that they were, they were drawn to what is true in him. So I don't know if that helps Right. Yeah. Where he kind of gets an understanding based off of Jesus' answer. Like, no, this guy's a bit more than what they want you to think he is. Yes. I think he did. I think I think he did and, and, and that's you know, to Porter's point that that he may have come to, to faith. We we don't know. We have no idea. This is a short period of time that he interacted. Yes. You know, faith as we all know grows. Sure. Right, and, and, but part of it's a dig at the Jews as well, because you're, you're crucifying your king, you know, but, so does, go ahead, Lugie. I think that's like the, 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 original, the initial exchange that's recorded in John here, the, the reading that I have of the what is truth, it does seem like it's a throwaway, but then the second interaction after he's gone through the crown of thorns, to see a man who is not then trying to escape that circumstance, right. the threat's not hypothetical, but it's like, you know, you've really gone through a pounding yeah. for people that are not trying to pull punches. And for him to then stand before Pilate and say, you're only in charge because someone made you in charge, and to not be under that immediate threat of physical consequences, yeah. I think the part where at least that, that beginning of the, of the significance is beginning to set in with, with Pilate. Yeah. He's beginning to understand that there's yeah, and my point is that, that fear is what led him to, to allow Jesus to be crucified. It was fear of consequences, fear of, the, of Caesar. It was fear of those things that caused him, because if it weren't for that fear, I think he would have let him off without question, because everything we see in here, he's... he's if he just didn't care that much, he would have said, go crucify him. It's not like they were not a bloody society. And even that's significant that he says, like, you go deal with this. You right. Kill him. Like, yes. He's very much trying to defuse the political situation at all costs. Right. Where he's granting them capital punishment privileges that they normally don't have. Right. Because he really just wants the whole thing to go away. Yeah. Well, in, in another passage, he washes his hands. He's, he is trying to distance himself from the fact that Jesus is about to die in any way he can. There's no question. He is not, 
He is not bloodthirsty for Jesus to die. By, it, you can't make that argument. Go ahead. Has the greater sin. It's almost like he's extending grace. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And the and the word talks about that though. That I can't think of the passage. If somebody thinks of it, help me out. But it, basically, when you have more knowledge, you have more culpability. Um, and anyway, the the Jews knew who Jesus was. The leadership knew who he was. Um, if you question that, where did I put that? Um, Matthew 21. Turn over there right quick. Matthew 21, starting in verse 33. The parable of the landowner. Jesus says, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a wall around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive his produce. The vine growers took his slaves and beat one and killed another and stoned a third. Again, he sent another group of slaves larger than the first, and they did the same thing to them. But afterward, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the vine growers saw the son, they said, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. They took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do uh, to, these, to those vine growers? They said to him, He will bring those wretches to a wretched end and will rent out the vine, vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the proceeds at the proper season. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? This became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whoever it falls, it will shatter him like dust. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they understood that he was speaking about them. And then they sought to seize him, um, but they feared the people because they considered him to be a prophet. So Jesus says, and Jesus indicates, they know who I am. They knew he was the son. They say it to Pilate. They say he said he was the son of God. They're, they're, they knew he wasn't mincing words. So they knew who they were killing. They're trying to hang on to their power. They know the vineyard doesn't belong to them, but if they can get rid of the sun, they can hang on to the vineyard. That's what they're thinking. Really, really brilliant. Um, so, all right. Um, so, I think that both groups' motivation was fear. The, the Jews are motivated by the fear of losing what they have. Pilate is motivated by fear of losing his position of losing his head, potentially, by going against Caesar. Um, like I say, it could be a riot that's going to, you know, whatever, and, and he's going to lose control. Um, so I think that's fear. So then we ask, I asked, what is Jesus' motivation? What does he say his motivation is?
For this I came into the world. To what? To testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. He came to testify to the truth. He also came to seek and save the lost. And right now he's in the saving phase of his ministry. What was the challenge that Jesus had in this situation? Right. Could, was Jesus doomed here? Was there no hope for him? No, not by any stretch. I mean, yeah, we know he could have called down 10,000 angels. We get that. What else could he have done? We see Pilate is on the fence. Could Jesus have made an argument that Pilate would have gone, yeah, this, yeah we're, we're, we're done with this? I believe so. Yeah, so Jesus is, on this, is in this place where he knows his time has come. He is not going to speak a lie. He is going to speak the truth. Hang on just a second. So he's going to speak the truth, and he is, but he can't say, that. that's why at some, there's some points when he just is silent. Because he's like, if I say too much, he's going to let me off. I can't be let off. Porter? To that point, the evening before, he argued with the Father trying to get out of this. We're going to have to this uh, uh, place where he's trying to Right. And he said, okay, you're, you're well be there. Yeah, because that was his, his purpose on earth was to glorify the Father. Yeah. He didn't want yeah, I mean, his, his, human, his human self is going, this is going to be really bad. This is going to be really, really bad, and I'd rather not do this. Are we sure there's not another way? Yeah. Yeah. I know we talked about this before, but just just so we're clear, there's not another way. Because actually being here in the situation, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be pleasant. So, um, But ultimately, your will be done. Makes us wonder how much our perspective is that. Your will be done, no matter how unpleasant it is going to be. Um, let's see. What does it mean to be of the truth? Jesus says, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. What does it mean to be of the truth? How do you know if you're a person who is of the truth? Believe him and his word. Okay. Believe him and his word. What's that? Be his. Be his. You know, again, it, it, we've talked about it. It seems that Pilate had probably sought after truth. The Jewish leaders would have claimed to be seeking truth when they would have been reading through the scriptures. Would it be appropriate to describe both as of the truth? No, it just comes down to your perspective. Are you looking for the truth on earth, or are you looking for the truth beyond earth? Yeah, and I, I, think, I think what it comes down to for me is humility. Am I okay with truth, whatever that is, whatever the Lord says that is? So when I come to the Scripture... Am I coming to the scripture with my preconceived notions of what is true and what I've heard in the past and, 
you know, and if it doesn't fit into my, what I already believe, then I'm not, I'm not changing, right? Lord, Lord, this doesn't, and, and I'm not saying that we, you know, read, because uh, I, I, believe me, I've, I've had, you know, hey, read this book, you know. Okay, I'll read the book. Oh, that's a new perspective I had never thought of. Well, it was a really persuasive argument that in the end I go, no, I don't think that jives with Scripture as much as I thought it did. So there's, there, there's, there's some of both, but are we, are we coming with pride to God and saying, you know, yes, I want truth, but I want it to fit with my truth. The truth I already have, as long as it fits with that, then I'm okay with it. You know, are we going, whatever you say is truth, that, that's what is truth. I just think it comes down to humility. Am I coming to God in humility? And I think that's what Jesus is getting at. I think, I think, that, I think that where Pilate was, at least in the beginning of this conversation, he says, what is truth? And walks away because he's like, you can't tell me what truth is. Right? You've got nothing to tell me. If I thought you had something to tell me, I'd stick around. But I don't think that you do, so I'm walking away. Now, whether that changed initially, eventually, I don't know. But initially, and, and the, the Jews, we're not listening to anything he has to say. We don't care what he has to say because we think he's just, again, what they really thought of him. It's interesting, we can know things and still deny them. So I think that the Jews, I think they knew who he was. But if, you, if they were sitting around in a group like this, nobody's going to admit it. Nobody's going to say, well, yeah, obviously he is the son, but we just don't like him. He doesn't fit into our, with our group. So, yeah, exactly. As believers, we are of the truth. You cannot be a child of God without starting in humility. You can't seek and actually find Jesus from a place of pride and arrogance. Because that would be to say, yeah, maybe I've got sin, but it's not that big of a deal, or I don't have sin, or whatever. We have to come to him in a broken state. We have to come going, I, you know... Either as a child, because you are a child, you know, going, uh, everything's too big for me. Or as an adult coming saying, everything's too big for me. I need a Savior. Many people in this world are seeking the truth, or at least say they are. We know his name. We have him with us, in us. And we also know that those who are truly seeking the truth will find him. He may choose to use us in that process. Um, Jeremiah 29.13, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. He makes himself known to those who have a heart to seek him. We've got just a minute or two left. Any other thoughts, questions? All right. Lugie, will you pray for us?